We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye, recapping the Nets win over the Pelicans, 108-102. A nice bounce-back win after following the Chicago Bulls and ending their 12-game win streak. We're going to jump into this game in plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also, give us a follow on Instagram, at the Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But it was nice to get in the win column. It wasn't necessarily a pretty win by any measure. You know, the Nets weren't on fire for offensively, struggled in the first half, turned it up defensively and put some clamps on in that second half. And a couple big shots from Kyrie Irving down the stretch led to a win. And that's what good teams do. You know, New Orleans was without Brandon Ingram, without Zion Williamson. You know, role players playing hard, playing with grit, you know, knocking down a good chunk of threes in that first half. But defensively, the intensity really turned up in that third quarter. And credit to Nick Claxton, who was awesome tonight. You know, he was a defensive player of the year candidate in the way he played in this game. Another five-block performance, finished with nine points, 4-4 from the field, 1-1 from the free throw line, nine rebounds, five offensive, including the biggest offensive rebound of the game with 14 seconds left, extending the possession for the Nets and forcing the Pelicans to foul, really sealing the deal for this team. But again, five blocks, did have a steal as well well showcase the switchability and easily his best game going against a bruising center you know Jonas Valanciunas has had his number you know other big centers with post-up games that really just rely on a hook shot have done great jobs against Clax and sealing him in the paint and Valanciunas got a couple buckets here and there but in that first quarter you saw Clax get the better of Valanciunas and really set the tone in this game and then typically doing his Clax stuff of you know switching on to guards rejecting shots at the rim, altering shots at the rim or all over the floor. Just the energy and the intensity he played with tonight was easily the best in the team. You know, I thought Clax was a guy who really came in and did his job to the highest standard. And you really couldn't say that about a ton of nets tonight. But another net who stepped up in that starting lineup was Royce O'Neal. You know, coming off an 0-9 performance, 0-8 from three, finished with 14 points tonight, 5-8 from the field, 4-7 of from three, including a big three in the fourth quarter that gave the Nets a four-point lead. Had seven rebounds, one assist, two steals, two blocks, and two turnovers. And this wasn't a perfect game by Roy for Royce by any measure. You know, I thought defensively, really struggled with some of the Pelicans guards and staying in front of them and then offensively still had weird possessions where he's not looking at the rim or just so locked on on passing the ball to one specific player and very easy to defend or telegraph or force a turnover but 
a substantial improvement from what we saw in Chicago. And I think that's that's going to be a trend. You know, I think uh, we've talked about it before on this podcast. It's been mentioned on Twitter. Very streaky three-point shooter. You know, has these hot and cold games. Can shoot over 50%, can shoot under 20%, and really is going to impact the team, especially when, you know, Jacques Vaughn continues to give him big minutes. You know, Royce played 36 minutes tonight. And I mentioned, defensively, he's not perfect. He's far from it. I think there is defensive versatility to his game. You know, he's he can be okay against guards at times, but other times he's getting cooked. He really excels more so against power forwards and slower small forwards and occasionally can battle with a center. But overall, you'll take it from Royce tonight because he was able to knock down threes and you know balance out some of those other negatives. Moving to Kevin Durant, finished with 33 points, but not a pretty shooting game for KD. 9 of 26 from the field, was 4 of 7 from 3, 11 of 11 from the free throw line, did have 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, and 4 turnovers. He was another guy who's defense who really turned up in that third and fourth quarter and you know showcasing that weak side rim protection and just a lot of activity off ball and helping on the boards against a big Pelicans team. Even without Zion and Brandon Ingram, they play a lot of long Long and big wings. You know, they run uh, Alvarado and CJ McCollum. But other than that, everyone else is essentially a forward or a wing or a center on this team getting minutes. So it was important for Katie to step in that area. And as I mentioned, you know, shooting wise, arguably one of his worst of the season, 9 of 26, 34% from the field. And a lot of it was shots that he typically makes. You know, a couple of them were good good defensive plays from Herb Jones, but most of the time, you know, there were shots that Kevin Durant was just missing. You know, there's a, a great play design from Jacques Vaughn in that fourth quarter that led to a wide-open elbow jumper for Kevin Durant. And for him, that's essentially a layup, and he bricked it. You know, that's that's just not something we're used to seeing, but it, it, it speaks volumes about this team that KD could have a performance like this and the team still find a way to win. But not only KD, Kyrie. Kyrie also had a rough shooting night, you know, finished with 19 points. Uh, 10 of those 19 points came in the fourth quarter, which was huge, but was 7 of 22 from the field, 3 of 10 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 block, 2 turnovers. And as I mentioned, just missing a lot of shots he typically makes. You know, a lot of mid-range jumpers or wide open threes just off tonight. You know, short, to the side, whatever it was. But when the Nets needed some big shots, Kyrie did step up and, you know, you tip your cap to that. And I think that's something uh, every Nets fan can appreciate because there was, you know, frustration with Kyrie in this game given the shot selection on a night where you're struggling and shots were being taken so early in the shot clock and defensively probably one of his worst defensive performances in a month. So, him stepping up in the fourth quarter kind of wiped that all away. And again, you know, Kyrie and Katie both shooting really, really poorly. We're talking about 16 of 48 from the field from the Nets' two best players and two of the most efficient scorers in the NBA. You know, we've talked about over the last couple podcasts the type of numbers they put up in the month of December. And, you know, they were due for some regression and some bad games. And tonight was one of those games. And the Nets still found a way to get a win with that happening, which is a pretty big deal. And a lot of credit to Nick Claxton. You know, as I mentioned on Twitter, you know, was the is the third star of this team. And he was able to step up and have a really impactful game. We talk about Ben Simmons and, you know, beyond the box score and his impact. I think Claxton's game tonight was beyond the box score. You know, did have only nine and nine, but had four assists, five blocks, and was a plus 15 and just really played with great energy. And I thought... 
there were times the Nets didn't utilize him enough, especially in those pick and roll situations. You know, had a great pass in the short roll uh, to Kevin Durant in the corner, a great off ball screen from Ben as well in that play. But, you know, I think utilizing him at times a little bit more and TJ Warren would be another guy I'd like to see the Nets incorporate in their offense and, you know, run plays for, just occasionally give a playoff to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, or especially on an off night, you know, include them and try to find them a switch or a mismatch against some of these smaller players, especially, you know, clacks. There was a point in the game where the Pelicans were running no centers and not even Larry Nance on the floor. And they didn't uh, elect to go to that pick and roll. You know, obviously the Pelicans could switch, but I think the defender that's on clacks in that situation, you feel pretty good about Katie or Kyrie cooking, but We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Obviously, doesn't matter at this point. The Nets were able to win the game. But moving on to TJ Warren, as I mentioned, you know, had a nice game. You know, 15 points, plus 15, 5-8 from the field, 1-2 from 3, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line, 1 rebound, 1 steal, 0 turnovers. You know, I thought he was okay defensively. There's a couple plays where maybe he could play with a little bit more energy, but he also had essentially an 8-0 run in this game where he either scored six or eight points, you know, straight himself. And that's that's a big deal, especially when the offense is struggling like this. And he just has a tendency to be in the right spot, get some lucky bounces, get a pass that leads to a really good look for him and just has an incredible touch for a guy with his physicality. You know, just a very soft touch around the mid range in the short range, whatever you want to you call it. You know, TJ just does a nice job of dropping the ball in the hoop and a guy that I'm continuing to be impressed by and would like to see the Nets incorporate in actions. It doesn't even necessarily mean put the ball in his hands, just make him a threat and force the defense to attend to him instead of just kind of throwing him in the corner at times or making him, you know, a fourth or fifth option on a play. I think he's showed enough and enough progress since his injury to be involved a little bit more, especially when you're, you know, force feeding Seth Curry at times in this game, especially in that first quarter and second quarter. You know, Seth did not see many minutes in the second half, finished with eight points, three of nine from the field, two of five from three, one rebound, two assists, one steal, and one turnover. And I think It's a pretty common story with Seth, and it's not very different from Patty Mills. You know, unless the offense is really cooking, 
it's not going to outweigh the defense. And the Nets also have a problem where they're asking Seth Curry to create too much, where he's just not that elusive with the ball in his hands. And they're asking to do it in lineups where Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons are both on the floor. Kyrie, substantially better player than Seth Curry. You know, the second best player in this team. Also great at creating. Ben Simmons has had, you know, moments where he's done a nice job creating and setting other guys up and attacking the rim. Hasn't done it consistently enough. So that's not as much on Jacques Vaughn. That's more on Ben and Ben having an obsession with running dribble handoffs with Seth. And that leading to essentially nothing because the defense understands, you know, Ben's not rolling hard to the rim or he's not really becoming a threat. And Seth, Push him off the three-point line. You're not really feeling really nervous about him hitting the rim. You know, there's a perfect play in this game. Seth probably has a semi-contested three in the corner. Alexa drives to the rim, ends up fading away and shooting a a short to mid-range jumper. You know, it's just those type of plays kind of signify some of the weaknesses in his game. And, you know, utilizing TJ Warren and maybe some of those lineups would be helpful, but also just featuring Kyrie Irving more. And obviously, you know, Kyrie at times doesn't you know ask you the ball enough but at the same time Jacques Vaughn needs to call the plays and get the ball in his hands because of what he can do and the gravity he can create and the rotations he can force for the other team and Seth Curry Ben Simmons are not doing that at this time and talking about Ben you know six points two uh, three of six in the field six rebounds ten assists three steals one block one turnover a lot of hot and cold again from Ben. You know, some really great defensive possessions and also some possessions where he's giving away bad fouls or getting lost in the mix uh, offensively. You know, had probably one of his best drives of the season to start this game. But again, then you don't see it again. You don't see it the rest of the game or you see it very sparingly and there are opportunities until he becomes a full threat offensively of attacking the rim consistently his game is still going to be hampered. You know, it's going to hamper the offense. It's going to hamper what he can do. And it's also going to hamper his passing game. You know, also one uh, note to Ben probably threw one of his best passes off a jump ball in this game. I think it was either Claxon or Royce O'Neal won the jump. Ben catches with one hand and all in the same motion, throws a deep ball to Kyrie Irving, who is stripped and, you know, essentially at the rim. But the pass itself was completely on point. And, you know, it's there's it's clear that Ben has talent, especially as a passer. It's just it's not going to be unlocked until he decides to start attacking the rim with aggression and physicality and really collapsing the defense. You saw that happen occasionally in this game, but still not frequently enough for it to be a, a huge positive for the Nets offense and to outweigh his lack of shooting and, you know, essentially scoring ability. Uh, Moving on from Ben, uh, we saw Utah Watanabe played about nine minutes in this game. Three points, one-on-one from the field, one-on-one from three. They're the only stats he acquired other than one foul in this game. Uh, Vaughn played him in the second half, essentially one play, got beat by Alvarado, and was benched, which I thought was really strange given... A lot of players played bad defensively. Seth Curry was bad defensively in the first half. Kyrie Irving was not good in this game. Royce O'Neal had bad moments in this game. As I mentioned, Ben Simmons wasn't perfect. TJ Warren had you know, a couple hiccups here and there. Utah has shown enough. I think has earned enough with this team that he should see minutes even if he makes a mistake here or there. Given his three-point shooting from the corners, you know, he's arguably been the most consistent three-point shooter on this team this season you know statistically would say yes and then defensively he's not going to do great against smaller guards but he's still going to give you versatility a good off-ball defender and team defender it was just a weird weird decision for Vaughn to only play him nine minutes when it felt like there were opportunities to play him more given the struggles 
of other guys in this team. And the same thing for Edmund Sumner, who saw a DNP tonight, you know, a coach's decision. And Sumner, one of your bigger guards, plays with great energy, especially in a game where you came out kind of flat. You think Sumner would be a guy you might want to include. And guys getting cooked on ball defensively. You know, Sumner has shown an ability to defend the basketball, especially, you know, against some of these quicker guards, you know, using his athleticism and his size to really have an impact. So strange rotations and lineups for Vaughn at this time and not utilizing, you know, specific players that were on the floor or guys that were on the bench. So I think Vaughn has had a couple hiccups in this game, uh, the Chicago game, and even probably the Hawks game in which the Nets won, you know, at the buzzer essentially on the DeJounte Murray miss. But well, we'll see how he bounces back. A couple of big matchups coming up with the Miami Heat and then the Boston Celtics next week. And the week after that, a couple more, you know, contenders and playoff teams on the schedule. And I guess finishing off with Joe Harris, who has not looked good. You know, finished with one point, all one from the field, one of two from the free throw line, four rebounds, one assist, one block, one turnover. You know, another guy not playing well defensively. Um, just a little out of position here and there. And that's off at a season where he's played pretty well defensively and offensively. He just doesn't seem to have a feel for what's going on, you know, in the wrong spot, making cuts into the basketball, not attacking the open space in terms of off ball movement, the way he has in the past, hesitating to shoot the basketball, hesitating the pass to basketball, just really all over the place. And I think there's a, a real concern is, you know, Joe has not had success as a bench player. He's been substantially better as a starter, especially with this Nets alliteration. So something to keep an eye on and see how his, you know, involvement in the team and his role in the team, you know, changes moving forward. You know, is that a trade? Is that a starting? Is that more minutes? I'm not really sure. He has to obviously pick it up on the floor. And I think he needs to pick it up in other ways too. You know, if he's not having that offensive impact, you know, look to make a couple more hustle plays, a couple more defensive plays, more activity on the boards. But right now he's not giving enough. And I think the combination of him and Royce O'Neal is a little frightening heading into the postseason because these guys are both such hot and cold players. There's clear flaws to their game, but when they're playing well, you feel uh, some comfort with it. But there's just a lack of consistency and confidence that you know this guy could be terrible for the next five games or this guy could not to look at the rim or miss you know eight threes in one contest whatever it might be and then you look at guys like Seth Curry and his defensive liability so there's work for Sean Marks to do with this roster there's definitely opportunities to improve there are first round picks this is still a really good roster but you want to be the best roster or one of the best in the league to to have a legitimate shot at winning a championship and as we've mentioned in the past, it's it's not just you know the guys that are in the rotation. It's also the depth you have. If someone goes down with an ankle injury, can you you know push somebody into the rotation that you feel confident in playing and can give you two way impact? And I think right now that's in question. You know, I think there's definitely some question marks with the roster, and they are you know they did just come off the 12 game winning streak, so it seems a little rich to be complaining about the roster and the depth of this team. But you are always looking forward and. The main goal at the end of the day is winning a championship. 12-game win streak in the regular season is great, but it doesn't mean anything when we get to the postseason. And that's what you're building towards, and that's what you're trying to figure out before that trade deadline and before you know April comes along. I guess just some final notes to touch on. 
The Nets were 37 of 85 from the field, 15 of 33 from three. So really good three-point percentage in this game. Not so much two-point percentage. Finished 45% from three. Uh, You saw the passing pick up in the second half. I believe they had over 10 assists in that third quarter. Finished the game with 26 assists. At times, you saw the offense probably get a little too iso-heavy, a little too stagnant. Uh, Not enough actions, not enough movement, and also just not enough activity from the role players when they had the ball in their hands and just relying a little bit too much on Katie and Kyrie to to do everything. Specifically, Katie, it just felt like this was a game that was really forcing him to to be a star on a night where he was obviously missing some easy jumpers, did get to the free throw line and, you know, did have some assists and was great in the boards. But overall, you know, not one of his best games. And I think offensive rebound and that's grabbed 10 themselves but they did allow the pelicans to have 14 that's a pretty big factor going against a team missing you know their stars and also a rebounding force in zion williamson and that ended up being you know the nets got a little bit blessed because they still won second chance points 24 to 17 that's kind of just a blessing essentially because of the pelicans being shorthanded and missing shots uh points in the paint ended up going 42 to 36 in favor of the pelicans not too bad in that department considering Valanciunas and the success he's had against them in the past. Uh, and ultimately, they held the Pelicans to 39% from the field, which is a really good number and something you can be pretty damn happy about. And, you know, as mentioned, that third and fourth quarter, you saw the defense really, really pick up and just clamp things down on a team that was missing their stars. The Pelicans finished this game with 38 points in the second half. They scored 36 in the second quarter. So that goes to show the difference in intensity and and you know the ability to adjust and take you know take the punch in the mouth and bounce back and get a win and that's i think progress for this team because as we've said during the winning streak as we said different points this season that wasn't happening last year this year's team is different and they've shown the ability to come back in games you know this is a game again the nets were down double digits down 15 points and ended up winning by 6 you know credit them and finding a different way to win and For me, that's real progress for this team. You know, obviously be nice if Katie and Kyrie shot efficiently every single night, but on a night where they didn't, they still found a way to get it done. Again, Pelicans, not a great team without two of their best players, but you face who's in front of you and you take care of business, especially with what's happening in the standings. You know, Nets now one game behind Boston, that matchup coming up, a game ahead of Milwaukee, a game ahead of Cleveland, and a game and a half again uh, ahead of uh, Philadelphia. So, The Nets continue to do their thing and progress is being made. Hopefully they continue to trend in the right direction and we get some activity towards the trade deadline. But as always, big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.